0: Well friends, good morning. I was just saying to my friend Ed, uh, when I looked at the sermon series this week, I was thinking, why did I choose that passage? It's not the, um, uh, not the most obvious passage to um, preach from and, and if I'd chosen such a passage, I should have asked Chris to preach on it. It's <laughs> normally the way it works here. <clears throat> so it's lovely, lovely to see you this morning and um, I just want to begin what I'm doing this morning uh, with a little rider. I did this last week because this passage is about money. And um, uh, Just once a year, I spend two weeks thinking about our stewardship as a church family. If you're a visitor or this is your first time at St. Paul's, I want you to know normally we speak about Jesus Christ. That's the thing that we speak about. The person we speak about, that's, uh, you can ask anybody here, they'll tell you that. That's what makes our hearts beat. That's what we want to live our lives for, uh, for Jesus and his kingdom. But, but just once a year, we need to do a little think about our stewardship as a church. And so um, that's what we're doing uh, this morning. So uh, be with us and uh, join us in that, but, but uh, just be aware that we don't... Um, Uh, do this every week. Uh, 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 Thank you to those of you who took stewardship packs last week and um, I'm hoping that some of you have remembered to bring them back. I know what happens when a stewardship pack or something from St Paul's goes home. And Normally it lives at home and doesn't come back, so there are lots of new ones at the back again today, so you can pick one up and even fill it in here before you go. I'd really appreciate you doing that. Now it might help for you to have this passage open in front of you, so if you want to grab a Bible, grab one from the back, do go and do that, um, or turn on your phone or your iPad or whatever it might be, and um, uh, join me in this passage um, uh, it's, a, it's a passage or a parable that is often, I think, uh, misquoted um, and uh, misused and, and often misunderstood. And, and one of those stories in the Bible that we perhaps at times avoid, because we, we're not quite sure why Jesus would commend the dishonest worker who steals his manager's money that's basically what the passage is about. Jesus commends him for doing wrong um, but he does commend him and he must do it for a reason and um, I want to pick up on that uh, today. Uh, in many ways the story doesn't need much illustration does it? It's a story of this uh, uh, dishonest guy who probably worked for a dishonest boss and when the dishonest workers deceit Reaches the dishonest boss's ears, the boss commends the worker for his cleverness, which is what suggests to me the boss was dishonest. He probably thinks I could learn a thing or two from my worker who's working this out. Luke 16. Uh, verses 1 through to 13. Maybe it's a story that's frequently repeated in our day. It's the story of a man who was trusted with someone else's money. The worker was trusted with his boss's money. It's a familiar account of dubious speculations, perhaps. Uh, Padded expense accounts, juggling of bank accounts, Um, perhaps dishonest investment. And all goes well for this worker until the day of reckoning, until the books are looked at, until the boss comes along and has a look for himself. And uh, the worker is then forced to think about about his future. And that's the story that Jesus presents to us. Verse 3, he says, And the manager thought to himself, Now my boss has fired me, I don't have the strength to dig ditches, I'm too proud to beg. I know how to ensure I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I am fired. He decides to take advantage of his position and pull all of his master's creditors into his own debt. That's what he's decided to do. I'm going to, these people that are in my master's debt, I'm going to put them into my debt as well. And in so doing, probably uh, is considering his future and hopes he will find an open door with one of the guys that he's done a huge favor for. It was a clever thing to do, it was thoroughly dishonest, uh, but it was a, a shrewd move. And Jesus, in telling the story, acknowledges that fact. And uh, in verse eight, he says this, the rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd, and Jesus comments on it. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of light. I think Jesus makes four observations here that I want to bring out this morning from this passage. Four things to pick up on that Jesus commends this person for. And uh, the first one is in verse 9. If you have a look at it in uh, my New Living Translation, it says this. And here's the lesson. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others (coughs) and make friends. Then when your earthly possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. You, your, use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. First, first point, giving. Giving, give your money to benefit others and give your money to make friends. That's the lesson that Jesus draws out of this guy. This guy uses the resources that he has access to to benefit the debtors and to make friends for himself. Jesus says that's a, a shrewd move. Use your money to give to do just that, to benefit others and to make friends with others. Give that you would do that. All of us know that at some point in our lives, like this man, we will run out of resources. At some point, our end will come, and in a sense, we'll stand naked before our God with no wealth, no money, no titles, no influence, no, nothing to go before us, and it's at that point, the only thing that we've got is that that we've sent ahead of us. That that we've invested in. Those lives that we've changed because of what we, how we've used the resources that we have been entrusted with while we're here living this life. What have we done to invest in the future? On the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches us, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's done by investing our resources and our lives in winning others to Christ. Not only to Christ, but to ourselves. This man used his resources to win friends. In other words, we're not going to win someone to Christ unless firstly, in some sense, we win them to ourselves. So we we have a, a, a friendship with them. I had a really great conversation last night. I was at a party and um, a guy came up to me and started chatting and he said, "Oh, how do you know so-and-so whose party it was? And I said, oh, I'm the vicar of his church. And he said, well, what are the chances of that? He said, going to a party and meeting a vicar. And I said, well, I find it quite often actually because I am the vicar and I go to the party. And uh, he, he was absolutely flawed. He, he like it's like I was an alien. It's like I've got nothing to say now. So I said, "Well, what what stumps you? Just because I'm a vicar?" And he said, "Well, I'm not. I'm not quite sure where to go with this conversation because his, 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 his language had been a bit choice up to that moment." But you know, I said, "Well, well, well, let's just go where you would normally go." So I said, "Let me start. Why don't you come to church?" He said, Oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, I said, yeah, that's a great start. I said, Jesus sees you as good enough. You won't believe what he's done for you. And we had a little conversation about it. And after about 10 minutes, it was a great conversation. After about 10 minutes, he said, I'm going to go and buy myself another beer. I knew it was an excuse to get away. I said, Oh, that's fine. God bless you. And I went over and stood up with my wife. A little later in the evening, they were cutting a cake and doing a little talk. And uh, I'm standing there next to Lynn's doing this thing and this bloke sidles right up to me and he says, is that really true that I might be okay to come to church? I said, that's really true. That's really true. God would love you to come just as you are. I said, and if you came to my church, I'd love you to come as well. Do you live locally? And we had this conversation going on and uh, he didn't rush off to buy another beer at that point and we shook hands and he said, thanks for chatting to me. We invest. I'll I'll try and be his friend. Genuinely, because I love to be friends with people, with everybody. But also genuinely. And I never hide it, because I'd love him to know my best friend, Jesus Christ. And, And in a sense, I can't share Jesus Christ unless in some way he knows me and the Christ that's in me and why my heart beats and why I live for who I live for. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, Jesus says. Win people to Christ and win people, in a sense, to you. How do we do that? Well, we do that by offering hospitality. We do that by, by giving through local ministry. It's been a joy recently to see people coming to faith through the ministry of CAP that we run here, Christians Against Poverty. Seeing people not just lifted out of the pit of debt, but lifted out of, uh, uh, lifted up to a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's been a joy Um, to welcome people on Alpha who've been helped through the Beeson ministry, through the Choices ministry, through all these different ministries that we support and work at as a church family together. That's investing for the future. That's saying, we'll come and be your friend. And in being your friend, do you know our heart's desire and we'll put it right out there. We'll do it for you for no other reason than doing it for you. But our heart's desire is that you might come to know the person that we love and admire the most, the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus commends this guy for investing ahead and using his resources to make friends. Jesus says we can learn from that. Invest ahead, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven and make friends that they would find the Christ in you as well. I love the story of the um, four men who brought their paralyzed man friend to Christ. They, they brought him to Jesus, didn't they? And, and nothing was going to stop them getting that guy to Jesus, even taking apart some other guy's roof. I don't know who paid for the repair, but they weren't, they weren't bothered about it. They just wanted to get this bloke to Jesus. And I, I think that's got to be our heartbeat too, that we, we, we make friends with people because we want to get them to Jesus Christ. So number one, he says, giving. Use your resources to give, to, to, to invest ahead of times. Secondly, he says, uh, it's an example of living. Look at verse 10. If you're faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in the large ones. But if you're dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Jesus is teaching that if we're faithful with the relatively inconsequential things in life, in the hidden things, then we'll be faithful in the greater things. If you're faithful If you're faithless and disobedient in the little things, it's probably a sign that we're going to be faithless and disobedient in the bigger things. One reveals the other. In the context of this story, I think he's saying that the little things are in the realm of the material things. Our money, our wealth, use of our time and influence. The greater things, he says, are the resources of the kingdom of God. Jesus says there's a direct parallel between the two. If someone doesn't give res, give into the things of the kingdom as he should as a Christian, it's probably too, true that we're probably not going to be living fully as a Christian. So he says, it, he says that it, it's, it's not as, uh, if we're not giving as we should, we probably won't be living as we should. It's a simple message. He's saying if we're faithful in the hidden areas of life, that's our giving, Our giving is the hidden area. Giving ahead, investing in the kingdom, says if we're not faithful in that, we're probably not going to be faithful in the visible areas of life. You can't separate the two. So someone who seldom gives or gives irregularly is probably someone who has an equal unevenness to their own spiritual walk with Christ. You know, probably if we did a little honest, really honest survey, said, how many people would read the Bible with a real regular rhythm in their lives? How many people would pray on an everyday basis? I'd love to think that everybody in St. Paul should go, yeah, we do that every day. I'm not so stupid. Probably the truth is that people struggle in those areas. And there isn't a regular thing of that that happens all the time. That's why we need to get together to encourage one another. But, you know, you know what he says is if we, if, we're, if we get regular in the hidden things, so we give regularly, what follows is the living things follow. We begin to live more regularly in the things of the kingdom. Um, I love the illustration that John Mumford gave many years ago at New Wine. Uh, he gave this illustration. He asked, are you a grapefruit or a milkshake? You've heard me say this before. And he said, grapefruit Christians are Christians who put everything in little segments. So we have our finance and our health and our holidays and our relationships and our work and everything. And he says, we're not called to be grapefruit Christians. We're called to be milkshake Christians. In other words, everything affects everything else. So what we do privately affects what we do publicly. Everything affects everything. Else. Everything's blended up together. Our giving should affect our living. So first, he says it's about our giving. Let's let's learn from this shrewd manager, and then he says let's learn from him about our living. What he does in private will actually affect what happens in public. But he goes on beyond that. Look at verse eleven. He says, and if you are trust untrustworthy about worldly wealth, you will who will trust you? with the true riches of heaven. And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? First giving, then living, and then I think this is about learning. If you're trustworthy about worldly wealth, then you will be trusted with the true riches of heaven. If you're not faithful with other people's things, then why should you be trusted with things of your own it's much the same point I was speaking about last week if we if we give, God says, "I can trust you, therefore I will give you other resources to give we will be given we'll be given to give away i i I think it's a I think it's a lovely thing it it, it doesn't promise that we're going to get rich in every way it doesn't promise that we're going to have uh, you know huge finance into our lives but it just says God will trust us with other things as we give he'll trust us do you know um I had a really great day yesterday we did a, 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 a 75 mile bike ride uh, yesterday morning it was great fun with a team are going to Amsterdam that was fun and then I got home and I cooked a curry for my family because we've got three birthdays all somewhere around this weekend. So I cooked a big curry for them. Then we went out to this party and, and uh, I, we got home. I went to bed, Lindsay said, my head hit the pillow. She said, you were asleep in about a second. I couldn't wake you. You just gone straight, bang, straight off. But I cooked this big curry for the family and it was great having everybody there. Do you know my highlight of the day was probably eight minutes of conversation with a guy I had at the party. If God would give me that opportunity, that I just love it. I think this conversation could have an eternal perspective. That for me, that's the highlight. God, give me those opportunities. I'll do anything to get those opportunities because I think it changes everything. It's a highlight. Apart from Steve falling off his bike, that also was a highlight. Steve, (laughs) I have to admit, it was amazing. Not that I'm going to mention that publicly, mate, but. But actually, that's what happens, isn't it? Jesus Christ longs to give to us. He longs to give us purpose and power and value in our lives. He longs to enrich our lives every day. Solomon puts it like this, Give freely and become more wealthy. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. What a lovely thing. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Those who seek to learn a lesson that it's better to give will be entrusted with more. Last week we were reflecting on Luke 6. Give and it will be given to you. That's a promise from God. You won't be left undone if you give. God will richly give back to you in all sorts of ways. He doesn't promise wealth. He doesn't promise you're going to get rich. He doesn't promise you're going to have a big house. He doesn't promise any of that. But he promises a life that is really fruitful. He promises a life that has absolute purpose. He promises a life where your heart will beat every day thankful that God allows you to live. So firstly, he says we can learn from this guy. We can learn about giving. Second second he says we can learn about our living. It will reflect our giving. Thirdly he says we can learn. We we can learn uh, what it means to be uh, people um, who live life this way and to know that as we give, God gives back to us. And then he finishes, finishes with this point. It's about loving. He says this in verse 13. No one can serve two masters. If you'll hate one and love the other or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other, you cannot serve both God and money. In a sense, both God and money make a huge claim on our lives, don't they? We cannot give half of ourselves to one and half of ourselves to the other. We like to think we can and people continually try to live on that basis. Standing astride the fence. I always say it must be the most painful place to live. But actually you've got to put both your feet in the kingdom. Jesus says you, you either got both your feet in one side seeking after wealth this, this world might offer or you put both your feet in the side of the kingdom. We can't use... Uh, We can use money for the service of God, but you can never use God for the service of money. The love of money is really the love of oneself. It's the pursuit of wealth, the the higher standard of living, and and the inevitable result of that is a life that becomes self-centered. We pursue that that we seek to want ourselves. They've just published, haven't they, it's on the BBC uh, 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 news thing this morning at the Sunday Times rich list, and uh, you know, the richest person's got I don't know what it is 11.9 billion pounds or something. It's like, well, what are you going to do with that? 11.9 billion. Now you're all thinking, oh, I could think of a few things to do with that. I know <laughs> oh, you are. Okay, following paying off the mortgage and buying another car, what are you going to do with that? Oh, go on holiday. All right, you know, really, what? buy a diamond ring. I, know. I bet, but. But after that, it runs dry, doesn't it? You think, what are you going to do with that? I tell you what, give it to somebody else. Enrich their lives. Make a difference. That's what Jesus is saying we can learn from this. Don't just store it up for yourself. Give it away. Bless somebody else. Ensure their life is richer. Ensure that they know something of the goodness and grace of God because of what God has blessed us with We know, don't we, that life is made up of relationships and that's what this shrewd manager was doing. He realised when his resources were running out, he needed to ensure that he had equity with people and so he invested in them. God says that's what we've got to do. We have to invest in our relationship with him and as we do so and love God, then we will know the love of others. And the richness of life that comes through the love of others. There is nothing greater in life. There is nothing greater. Just once or twice in my role as a vicar, I've taken funerals, I've taken one or two funerals, where no one has come. It's been me and a coffin. Once or twice. That's a life of poverty. However much money is in the bank, that is a life of poverty. It's a sad thing. It's a sad thing. Whereas I've taken other funerals where you can't get the people in enough. There's not enough seats. That's a life of richness. And you know it at the end of the day. Everything depends on relationship. God says, let's invest. Let's invest and send ahead I guess I want to finish by saying I think this passage directs us this way we're to live lives that are giving that reflect our living because we're about learning more of what it means to follow God and to love him fully friends I don't want to I don't want God's blessing to be withheld from us as a church family in any way shape or form Uh, I want to encourage us to continue to be a church that is generous towards others, generous towards those in need, generous in our community, generous in our country, generous internationally. And as we do that together, we can continue to tell the story and we celebrate God's goodness with us and amongst us. I had an email yesterday from the Archbishop of Mozambique who was just saying, a it, 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 lovely email, Sheena Barrell is the one who's heading this up, she's an amazing woman, but he was just saying, you know, I give thanks, Mark, for the, for the goodness of your church that really is making a difference. That's from the Archbishop of Mozambique. This is, this is what God is doing. We get, we get to do that, friends. We get to make a difference. And we get to do it because we choose to share our resources. I don't know that every church gets to tell that story but we get to tell it and we get to tell it one another and do you know what? Probably in most of our lives we'll never meet the Christians in Mozambique but one day in heaven you'll have a lot of friends from Mozambique and they'll go you invested ahead you made a difference and I'm here because of you so I want to encourage you today this is the last Sunday I'm speaking on it so I've, I've got two minutes now So I want to encourage you, pick up a pack at the back. Please fill it in. Please join our giving scheme. Please help us to continue to make a difference here in our community, across our city, in our country, and across the world. Because we as a church really can do that. But it takes all of us choosing to say, I'm going to give regularly and be part of this. Let's stand, shall we? (laughs) I don't know.